Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. How do I know what God's will is for my life? That is the question that so many of us ask throughout different seasons of our lives. And we looked at this question yesterday from the angle of vocation. In other words, how do I know what the will of God is for my career? Today, we want to address some of the of the difficult seasons we face and some of the seasons that perhaps we take for granted when it comes to answering that question. So, so brothers, what is the will of God for that dear brother or dear sister who is severely handicapped? I mean, perhaps they're completely housebound or, or perhaps they only get out but once a month. What is God's will for their life? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I mean that you know that's where we started this whole discussion, and there are many that find themselves in that capacity. You know their, you know their life might be held by held together with Velcro and uh, you know sticky tape, but in the in the end they can enjoy God. They're they're complete in Him. Uh, you think about some of the hymnists hymn, like Fanny Crosby was blind. You know, there there are others. Uh, William Cowper was Cooper was in great despair over his over his life many times. But in the final analysis, it was enjoying God, delighting in Him, mm. glorifying Him. Mm. I think how you God's will for their life is not to become inwardly focused. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. To maintain a sense of community, even in a life that is seemingly more isolated, um, and what I found are people that I visit that are in this this situation that their life still has meaning and purpose and joy because they've looked outside of themselves and said, "You know what? I can still write notes of encouragement. I can still pray for the church body, and they have this sense of connectedness still to those outside of themselves um, that." that provides them this sense of enrichment and joy and purpose. Um, and I, I think that's easier to say than to do um, because I think it's so easy, especially when we were at least somewhat isolated to turn inward. Um, and I think God's will is to continue to look outside of yourself and say, no, I want to still glorify God. How can I do that? How can I still stay connected to um, the church body? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm not trying to minimize how hard that is. I, I visit these these people mm-hmm. that are housebound, and and they they speak of the loneliness at times. They speak of feeling disconnected, um, which really goes to uh, the. It's not as much a reflection on them as it is a reflection yep. on the rest of the church That's that correct. has alienated and made them feel so in those capacities. You know, I had some good delight this past year. I've watched. Uh, we have. Uh, two individuals in our church that come in wheelchairs. You know, last Sunday one of them was uh, greeting you know, at, at the door. Um, come, came early. That you know, 
you know, a couple months back, we had a handbell co- choir for uh, Christmas Eve, and and the other in the wheelchair was participating in mm-hmm. in the handbells. Uh, you know, they had the ability. We have examples. You know, the problem. You know, we can point to some of these great men and women of the Bible, people of faith, and that an example. You know, sometimes can be intimidating. You know, but God uses the normalities. You know, the ordinariness of and even disabilities the and the weak. Yep. He uses the weak to confound the wise. Yeah. So there was a story. Um, uh, a missionary named William, William Carey. I'm sure you guys are very, mm-hmm. very familiar with him. He had a sister who was completely paralyzed and unable to move around. In fact, she was bedridden on her couch for 52 years. 52 years, and that didn't stop her from exercising God's will for her life. She faithfully prayed for William Carey and his missionary efforts, efforts uh, her whole adult life. And and perhaps nobody knows the name of Polly Carey down here, but in heaven, she is well known mm-hmm. for for praying for the missionary efforts, and no doubt God used those as part of uh, the success that William Carey had. I can say that during the, this season when I've experienced cancer, there is uh, there's one particular lady that probably writes me several times a week to ask me how I'm doing because she and, and at the conclusion of every note. I prayed for you today, and that that's an encouragement to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, people think that if I can't do, you know, they 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 define great things for God in in ways that are outside of maybe their abilities. Yeah. When the great thing that they can do for God is to do those things that God has made them able to do. Those little text notes. I I told this dear brother at our church who actually he is bedridden and he is handicapped. I said, and he can hardly come to church. I said, brother, you know how encouraging you could be by just sending a simple email to members in our church and say, hey, Johnny, I'm praying for you today. Uh, and, and then just quote a scripture to him. I go, that is one of the most encouraging things that I get on a regular basis. It's just notes from people. Hey, I'm praying for you. Here's a scripture mm-hmm. to be encouraged. But I think mm-hmm. we overlooked that that ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next question is, is what is the will of God for someone who has just a few months to live? Uh, perhaps they've been diagnosed with an incurable disease or the and they see the end is drawing near. Uh, what is the will of God for them? The same idea of you're glorifying God in the situation that God has now placed you in. Um, John Piper wrote a, a little booklet called um, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Um, yeah. But at the end of the, of the day, what it, what's really saying is um, don't miss the opportunity to put God on display, put mm-hmm. God's grace on display, to be a, a, a messenger of hope, of trust, of, of one who in the midst of the difficulties of life is still finding their sufficiency and their refuge and, and strength in God. Um, but also share some of the struggles, share, share some of the difficulties. I mean, there's hard moments. Go ahead and talk about them. Yeah, I think that we forget that we're all, we're all terminal, <laughs> and and that and and because of that, we we should um, you know take advantage of the day. We need to seize the opportunities that are given to us, um, so that 
you know, the thing with having a, a, a terminal date that we know is coming, uh, you know, in terms of, oh, you've got this cancer, or you've got something, you only got weeks to live, months to live. We, we do to actually begin in some ways to set our house in order. We, we find a, a greater satisfaction. One, I'm not going to, I'm not thinking beyond, you know, five years from now, I'm thinking about right now how I can pull the most satisfaction out of things, and that's being satisfied in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it gives us an opportunity also to to be a better witness for Christ, and, and I just mean this. Philippians 129, it says, it has been granted to you not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Mm-hmm. When people see someone suffering, coming to the end of their life, and they see that that person is holding on to Christ. Mm-hmm. That exemplifies the gospel in a in a way that other people who are not suffering can't do, because it, it says, even though I'm going to die, I trust God. I love Jesus more than my life, and I'm not giving up on Him. Yeah, we need. We're we're called to redeem the time. Uh, we're we're to make use of the time that's given to us. You know, I've heard illustrations. Uh, you know. Where you look at, you know, there's 60 minutes in an hour, there's 24 hours in a day, that's 144,000 minutes, say. Um, you know, if we think of it in in dollars, we, you know, it's something that we have to spend that, let's say we have to spend all that in one day, nothing carries over to the next day. So how do you use those 144,000 minutes? Uh, we, we use them... You know, some of it's going to be used profitably in resting. Mm-hmm. Some of it's going to be used profitably in reflecting. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit, kind of away from perhaps suffering to uh, the person who's retiring. What is the will of God for a person who's retiring from a long career? Uh, American culture tells us that endless golf courses await for that person. <laughs> Uh, what is God's will for our retirement, brothers? I don't. I don't think it is. As I heard one some, somebody um, say this last week, the the will for those that are in retirement is not to get up every morning and ask, "Is it nine or 18? Yeah, yeah. And it, it God has given you a, a great gift, the gift of time. So now you can be used more mightily in the work of the church because you have what most people in their younger years lack, which is a block of time to be able to use in service to others. And often wisdom. Yes. I've, I've heard in relationship to pastors, you know, pastors don't retire. They just go out to pastor. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, I, you know, John, you know, speaking of this that matter. That could of, be the worst joke I've heard in a long time. It could be. It, it, you, know, uh, you know, but I've. Off air, I've heard some really bad ones. <laughs> um, you know, John Piper. Uh, you know, some uh, what is it? Twenty years back or so, he was speaking at uh, at a youth conference, and the subject was "Don't waste your life." Yeah. And he was, and he highlighted two individuals: somebody who given their life in ministry for many, many years, and then uh, you know, in the end, was died in a in a car crash. They'd never really. You know, the whole thing was here. You had here had one one person. Um, you know, they're over eighty. They were single all their life. They poured out their life for one thing to make Jesus known, and uh, and then there's these other people that retire. They go down to Florida, and you know, in the end, uh, every day they're on the beach picking up seashells. And he says, "What are you going to say at the end? Are you going to say, look, Lord, look and see my seashells?'" Yeah. 
you know, which one is a wasted life? Yeah. And uh, the idea that we serve God even to the very end, he promises to be with us to the end. You know, we ought to serve him to the end. Absolutely. The idea is that somebody can't retire, but they can't retire from their faith. They can't retire from the Christian service. They don't re- retire from the church. Um, if you want to re- requi- retire from your, your life's vocation, yep. there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at no, all. Not at all. Um, but we're, we're specifically talking about your life as a child of God, that retirement might be your most productive years, yep. your best years in mm-hmm. service to God because of what we talked about earlier. You have time. You have wisdom. You have things that probably financial security that now you, you have maybe something more to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we only have about uh, two minutes left, so this one's got to be quicker. Uh, what is the will of God for a teenager living at home? They're not adults yet. They can't make all their own decisions. What does God want from them? The short answer would be to honor and obey your parents. And along the way, what that also means is you're in a point of transition, that you are moving from a place of dependence to independence. So every child that is born is born 100% dependent. And the goal is that by the time you leave the home, you move to a place of 100% independence. And what I found is that parents and young people really struggle with this. Young people want to move to 100% independence too soon, and parents tend to hold on and have the, the child move to independence too slowly. Yeah. And, and so that's going to create tension within the home. And your, your role as a teenager is to say, in this time where there could possibly t- be tension, um, I'm going to step back and try to understand my parents that really they're, they're what I perceive to be trying to rob me of my independence is probably just they're scared. Your parents are scared. Provide some more understanding. Um, be patient. There is going to come a point where you're going to move to the independence that you want. Yeah. Um, but in the process, just continue to obey, continue to honor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we ought to recommend to people is a book by uh, Kevin DeYoung is Just Do Something. The Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will, or subtitle, How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Fleeces, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Casting Lots, Liver Shivers, and Writing in the Sky, etc. <laughs> I, I think, you know, for every young person, we ought to provide that 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 book because ultimately they may be asking the question, how do I find God's will in my life? And this is a great little text absolutely it's called just do some yep just do something by kevin DeYoung. sorry let's do that one more time just Just do something (laughs) all right well we'll catch you next time on the gospel for life we hope that you uh, are able to worship with the lord's people this coming lord's day um and we will see you next week 